0: In Acts chapter 8, where we're going to be out of this morning, we're going to, we're going to talk about uh, a continued effort of evangelism by a guy by the name of Philip. Uh, Philip was known, uh, not as the Apostle Philip, as some might assume. We talked about this a couple, couple days ago with some people that I knew. They, they were assuming that he's the Apostle Philip. He's not. He's actually Philip the Deacon, or as he's known in Acts chapter 21 as Philip the Evangelist. So he's a different guy, but he's preaching the same message. And how good is that? And he's, he's called to a place today to, to proclaim the gospel to a man that needed to hear the gospel, that needed some help. And church, as we're reading through this, I want us all to understand today that, that without a shadow of a doubt, we have people in our community, people in our lives that need help right now. Don't you agree? And we have this, this, this word called the, the, the word of God, the gospel. We have this to give to people that can help them and and to help them to to know what true life is all about. Acts chapter eight, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem and to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose and he went and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Just for fun, I assume. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran up to him and heard him reading Isaiah the the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I? Unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. The passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came, to Caesarea. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. It is feeding our soul even at this very moment. God, I pray for believers in this place today that, that they will be encouraged by your word and by the call for all believers to go forth and to proclaim the gospel. And Father, for those here today who do not know you, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will begin to, to speak to their heart. They will be like this eunuch, Father, who 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 cried out, what's being, what's in my way to to being baptized today? Why, why can't I be baptized? Why can't I know you today, God, Lord? Would you would you work in lives like that in this place, Lord? We know you are good. We know you are gracious, and we ask this in your most holy name, Amen. Acts twenty one. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. We see where Philip is kind of identified deeper. He he he's not the the apostle, of course, but he's he's a disciple of Jesus. And he's known as one of the, the original seven deacons. Don't hold that against him, by the way. But he's one of the, the original seven deacons. Which, by the way, we have a deacon's meeting this week, so y'all don't, y'all don't hate on me too much when we, when we come together, right? but he was a wonderful man of God. He was doing a work of God. A, a deacon is, is a servant of the church, amen? And so as as Saul was, was persecuting the church, this deacon goes out instead of just giving up and saying, you know what? Um, there's no church, there's no place to worship. Instead of doing that, this man, his example to you and I today is he goes out and he starts evangelizing people and he starts telling people about who Jesus is. We've already seen what's going on. You know, last week he was, he was evangelizing in Samaria and like the apostles had to come down and say, what's going on here? Man, this, this deacon, what, what's, what's up here? Right. And they come down by their authority and they're like, yep, God's moving here. God's moving in these people. But Philip goes on from that place and here we see this beautiful account where he's just walking down the road and he sees some guy going by in a chariot. And he's, and the Lord really speaks to his heart in a big way. Speaks to his heart and he says, go talk to that guy. Go talk to that guy. And he does. And there's there's a beautiful thing that happens here. He preaches the gospel. He explains scripture to him. And, and, and the eunuch, he says, who's this Who's this guy? Is, is, it, is he talking about himself? Is he talking about somebody else? And he goes, here, let me tell you who this is about. This is about Jesus. And it says there that he goes on to tell all about Jesus. And as they're going along, what happens? They, they see water, the eunuch under conviction of the Holy Spirit, after hearing the gospel from Philip, he looks at the water and he says, what is stopping me from being baptized today? And Philip's like, I guess nothing, right? And so they stop and he's baptized. And then something great happens. I can't even explain this next occurrence. It says that at once, Philip was taken away, literally grabbed away. It's 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 like this, if you want to put it into what the, the original meaning of those words are here. But the original intent of those words were, let's imagine you you had done something really bad, and the cops put out a warrant for your arrest, show up at your house, and they grab you. How do they grab you, right? This is the same picture that we get from this passage of scripture that he's literally taking violently away from the place where he was at and taken somewhere else. And some people say, well, What's the what's the meaning in this? He was teletransported? And come on, Daniel, this is not Star Trek, right? You know, this wasn't beam me up. Scotty, this wasn't something of that nature. I mean, what happens in this, in this story? We don't really know. But what we do know is that we serve a God who's big enough to do anything. Amen. Yes, Amen. If he wants to do that, he can. But we see a guy who's out preaching the gospel and the Lord literally makes it possible for him to go from point A to point B. And what does he do? Does he sit there and say, man, that was cool. You know, that's awesome. Lord, do it again. Oh, maybe the Lord's calling me to go into, into quantum physics, and now I'm going to be a person who, you know. You guys ever watch Quantum Leap? When I was a kid, that was my favorite show, you know. And, and I've actually started watching it again. <laughs> this is not the point in the story, though. Did God move him from point A to point B? He did. We, we know right there, without a doubt, that he did it. And I've seen preachers spend a lot of time saying, well, you know, this is, you know, he's able to do this and that. Here's what we know, is that God is powerful enough to do what he wants. And we know that God has called our man Philip to go out and, and to evangelize. And God used whatever power, whatever, whatever, whatever mode of transportation here, He uses it to get Philip from point A to point B so that he can continue to do what He's called to. God provided a way for Philip. And again, Philip doesn't stop and, and just focus his whole life on that one time, that one thing. He continues to tell people about Jesus. I know sometimes in church we're like, man, we've been doing the same thing for a long time. We you know, we do Sunday school. I, I've seen this uh, as, a, as an argument. Well, Sunday school is antiquated. It's from the past. We don't need to do Sunday school anymore. And I, I would say I disagree. There's a big movement. There's a lot of people that don't want to do Sunday school. Well, we don't want to call it Sunday school. Maybe we want to call it Bible study or something else. And, and we won't meet on Sunday mornings, but we'll meet on uh, Sunday afternoons. What's the difference? You're doing the same thing. The importance in Sunday school, the importance of coming together is is us as believers hearing the word of God. And Philip was a person who had experienced Bible study with other believers to the point that he had accepted the call to being a deacon, to the point that he had accepted the call to preaching the gospel wherever he went. And if you want to know today, like what it is that God is calling you to, he's calling you to preach the gospel. And these ministries that we do within the church when it comes to the Bible, right now you may be saying, this is my least favorite part of church is listening to a preacher. I get it, okay? These preachers are just, they got big heads and they think so much of themselves. I get it, but it's not about the preacher. It's about this right here. It's the Word of God. Philip lived and died by the Word of God. This was this was what it was all about. And he's, he's not caught up... Necessarily, and just well, man, I, God, I want you to do big stuff like teletransport me again. You know, there, there's a there's a big football game in Jerusalem. God, can you transport me there so I can be back in time uh, here in Samaria for church the next Sunday? Can you do that for me, Lord? He's not he's not caught up in those thoughts. He's just caught up in preaching the gospel, to telling people what the truth is. Was he transported? Yeah, he was. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that didn't happen. But I can't tell you how it happened, but I know this, that my God is big enough for it to happen. And if the Lord wills that his gospel go around the world, it'll happen. And we know it's going to. We actually know the fact that Jesus will not even return until what? Until the whole world has heard. Now I got to tell you something with technology, uh, with Bible translations out there now, in about almost every language, we're getting close, that the word of God is getting really close to being proclaimed around the world to where everyone can understand and hear. What does that tell me? That tells me we need to be serious about advancing the gospel. That tells me we need to be serious about telling people who Jesus is. That the work of Philip, guess what? It's your work too. You guys hear me? Your work is to tell others about Jesus. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the, the missionary's job. It's all people. And if, if I was to say I'm looking through this passage and there's, there's, there's about three points, because you guys know we do three points, right? Four points every now and then. Maybe a five point every now and then. But today we're three point. First thing I would say, just looking at this passage of scripture, even starting there with verse 26, be ready to go any place for God at any time. It'd be my first point today. Are you ready to go any place at any time for God right now? I mean, let's, let's ask a really deep question. If God was to tell you to go somewhere, would you just say, okay? I think, I think a lot of us would. I think some of us would have to think about it. And there may be some of us here today who said, no, I'm not. <laughs> Lord, i want to do things my way, right? I hope that's not, nobody here today. But if it is, I want you to know that there's, there's hope. That there's hope for you. That, that deep question, are we willing to go anywhere at any time for our God? It should be, yes. And I don't want to put this guilt trip on you like, well, yeah, we better go. Because if I don't, then Daniel's going to see it, right? The church is going to see it. My neighbors are going to see Here's the reason you need to want to have this desire. It's because God desires it of you. It has has no bearing on what my opinion is or anybody around you. What you must understand is that God desires that you look after him 100%. That he's the most important person to you in your life. That's exactly where we need to be today. I I was reminded recently, um, I think I saved this on my phone, but I'm a big fan of this guy by the name of Adrian Rogers. anybody ever listened to this preacher, right? So he's he's one of my uh, heroes of the faith, I suppose. Uh, Adrian was a pastor. He was, you know, president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He was very faithful to the Word of God until he died. I mean, to the point that they still play his sermons every day, just like he's still alive, which he is still alive. He's in heaven, but you know what I mean. He's not here on earth anymore. But every morning, uh, someone asked him one time, "What do you do like to to keep uh, to keep where you need to be?" to keep your mind focused on what needs to be. And he says, well, I have this thing called PACE, P-A-C-E. The first thing I do in the morning, I praise. He says, I lift up my hands to the Lord and say, I praise you, Lord, that you gave yourself for me. And because, Lord, you've given yourself for me, your blood cleanses me from all sin, and I do not have to start the day with any unconfessed sin. In other words, he just praises God from the get-go. That's a pretty healthy way to start your day, isn't it? If you're, if you're like me, a lot of times you wake up and you're like, oh, my back, right? Oh, I shouldn't have stayed up and watched that last episode that I was binging on Netflix. I should have just went to bed. Oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Oh, you know, we have all these thoughts that come about. Oh, no, I've got to go to work. We have all these thoughts that invade our mind from the get-go. Our Our initial thought, our initial thing that we should focus on at the beginning of the day is praise. And he says that he does that. The second thing he does is that he says he turns his hands over like this. He turns his hands over as if he's receiving a gift. And he says, Lord, not only do I praise you that you gave yourself for me, but now Lord, I accept that you've given yourself to me and for me. Lord, I receive you in all my fullness. We, we need to be a people who understand that we're saved. Don't you understand that today that the Lord loves you so much that he died for you? We need to live in that acceptance. I, I know God chose us first and all that, but, but the desire is that in our hearts, we should be God, be like, God, I want nothing but you in my life. I want more of you, God, right? I'm saying that. God, I, I accept what you have for me. That's the A in pace. The C is control. He says, He says, then I put my hands up like somebody's put a gun on me and wanting to rob me. And <laughs> he says, Lord, I surrender to your control. What we need in the church today are people who are not sold out to be Southern Baptists. What, what we don't need is, is a bunch of Daniel cronies, right? We don't need worship band. I I see y'all up here wanting to get autographs every Sunday from the worship team after they're getting off off, off a worship set. I see that. (laughs) Yes, sir, right? The worship team wishes that was the case, right? (laughs) But at the the end of the day, what the Lord desires is that we're fans of His, that He is the most important one in our life, and that we have completely surrendered our control to Him. Quit resisting the work of God in your life. So we have praise, acceptance, control. The last thing is expectation. What do you expect out of life, right? In expectation, he says, I'll spread my arms out. (laughs) I'll spread my arms out here as wide as I can and say, Lord, it's going to be a great day because you and I are going to go through it together. I love that thought. Yeah, there's so much of the time we think we're in it by ourselves, don't we? I, I told y'all, I, this past week I went and I preached a, a funeral of, of a dear sister in Christ. She was someone who had struggled, had some things um, that really just got her down in the last few years of her life. But she was someone who came come to me under, I believe, the work of the Holy Spirit, because she wanted to know Jesus. And when someone comes to you and they say, I need to get right with the Lord, and I didn't say anything to them, <laughs> that's the work of the Lord, right? And when she's saying, I want to be baptized because I want to follow Jesus, that's a work of the Lord. And she came. Well, here she is today. She's in heaven. She's with her, she's with her king today. And the one thing I told the family, I said, look around you. I said, you got a lot of people around here that loved you. And by the way, um, Poorham Church is not near as big as this one, um, but it was completely packed. I'm talking like, I told myself, I'm glad there's no firefighters in the place because we are breaking fire code right now. I mean, there were so many people in this place. So packed out. I said, you can look around, you can see that you've got a lot of people who are supporting you, but understand that you're never alone because God never leaves you or forsakes you. And if you're feeling really alone and you have no hope right now, it's because you don't know Jesus. I literally, at the end of the service, you know, uh, I, I kind of get accustomed to uh, post-funeral conversations that I have with people. Good job, Pastor. You know, wait, wait, a- you really honored her. I get pictures, you know, like conversations like that. But I had a guy come up to me that, and he basically told me that I was full of, okay. Literally said that. Didn't hold his language back or anything. Right there at church, you know, and he's like, I was like, what do you mean? And he says, well, when I get to heaven, he says, I'm going to find God and I'm going to punch him in his throat. He's standing here. (laughs) I did this. (laughs) I don't want to be standing. I've already been struck by lightning once. I don't want to be struck again, okay? Even if it's just like friendly fire, I don't want to be hit by it. But his whole thing was that he really felt that God was just against him. And it really, at first, I'm kind of like, man, just, I don't want to argue scripture with you right now. There's a hurting family over here, you know? And he says, well, God doesn't, you know, it's, it's all about us. It's all about what we do. We have to do it ourselves. And one of these days, we'll understand. But he says, right now, he says, I'm just mad at God and I don't have anything to do with him. I said, you know, it's okay to be mad with God, but you must understand that God still loves you. And at the end of the day, you will bow your knee to him. He didn't really like that very much. I told Joni, I said, I really thought he was going to punch me in the face. His will was his own will. It was not the will that God would have for him. I've been praying for that guy this week because I know a little bit about him. I know him. Um, and I know what he's been through. I know what he's done. But I also know what God can do in his life. There's an expectation in my life that that guy's going to be changed. That one of these days he's, he's going to come up to me. He says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to throw myself down on the ground and worship the king of kings and the lord of lords because i think it's a shame that anybody would ever want to punch god what are we expecting adrian rogers you know he he threw he did this every day he's just like you know i'm going to throw this out and sometimes we may be saying well god it's it's too much do you ever feel like maybe being a, a, a person who does ministry is too much for you honestly raise your hand if you ever feel like inadequate maybe right i think most people do if god were to call you to go to say turkey or God were to call you to go to uh, teach Sunday school, or you know, be a part of the worship team, or whatever, if God is calling you to be a part of something, a lot of times our first thoughts like, "No, nah, I can't do that. I feel inadequate." Does God use inadequate people? Yep, every day, every single day. You know, God does not call the qualified; He qualifies the called. If God's calling you today, He's going to give you what you need. He gives you the the tools, and He gives you the the opportunities. And we need to be, as believers in Jesus, we need to be ready to go at any place, at any time, whenever God calls us. 100% all the time. Are you ready today? It's a good question. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, am, am I really ready if God calls me? I hope we are. Because he does qualify us by loving us. He calls us in that way. He doesn't just throw us out there. The second thing I would look at is uh, kind of halfway down there, verse 35, we see where uh, the eunuch, he runs up beside the eunuch, which I don't know if that chariot is still running. I kind of imagine in my head that the chariot's going, and like Philip's running, kind of like Forrest Gump, you know? And and he, he runs up beside him, and he's looking at him, and he's like, hey! And so they the eunuch says, hey, come up here, we'll have Bible study. And they're reading out of Isaiah, which is the passage that my sister read earlier, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah was reading... Uh, Of course, to people of that time frame, but he's here. We know that this word, these words are still good for us today. They were good for the eunuch then, and the eunuch's trying to understand who this person is. And Philip just says, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Philip, it says, opened his mouth and began with this scripture. And he told him the good news about Jesus. What we know, um, I don't know if Philip was a real friendly guy or not. He might have just been really straight to the point because the eunuch just asked him, hey, what's this mean? And he, and he says he just got to the point. Let me give you guys some, some, some push today. Because I think a lot of us were waiting for opportunities to tell people about Jesus when we just need to we need to get to it. Quit beating around the bush and just get right straight to Jesus. There's people in your life who, who they don't need you to, to sound just nice and happy and supportive of whatever they're doing. They need you to come and tell them the truth about Jesus. We we think sometimes, well, you know, I I just want to be encouraging to people. And a lot of times we think that if we're just inviting people to come sit here and listen to some guy they don't know, that we're doing a good job. When actually, as believers in Jesus, we need to be talking about Jesus in the moment to them. Philip didn't wait. Philip didn't say, hey man, there's a really good church in Jerusalem. When you get there, (laughs) I want you to look up. There's a guy by the name of John. Like John's really cool. There's a guy by the name of Peter. I hope they've gotten back from Samaria, but I want you, when you get there, um, they'll probably be preaching the first or second or third service. I'm not really sure. But when you get there, talk to them, tell them Philip sent you. This is not what Philip said. Philip said, hey, let me tell you about Jesus in the moment, right? So we need to be ready anytime, anyplace. But the second thing I would say this morning is that we need to know our Bibles well, and we need to grow in our ability to use it. How many of y'all believe in the Bible? Raise your hand. All right? Everybody in church. Yeah, I believe. Now, there's a lot of concerning uh, studies that are going on now where people really don't believe. They, they, say, they, they say that well, the entirety of the Bible is not true, that there's parts of it that aren't worth anything anymore, That that there's some of it that's just a picture, it's not really truth. But... I don't know what you believe, but I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that every single word is inspired of God. I believe that every single word is profitable for you. What do you mean, Daniel? Explain that. Here's what I want you to understand. You've got this man, he's from Ethiopia. He's a eunuch. You know what that means, right? No fun. He's reading the book of Isaiah. Super exciting book, right? For most people, they don't think that's really exciting. It's a bunch of prophecy, and hey, you better do this, or this is going to happen. It's those kinds of words, right? But but he's reading this really encouraging book called Isaiah, and he doesn't understand what's going on in the book of Isaiah, but yet God used the book of Isaiah to lead him to Jesus. You want to know how powerful the Word of God is? It's that powerful. I've had opportunity to lead people to Jesus, who their interest in the Bible was revelation, they, they, were in, they were interested in the book of Revelation because it's kind of eerie, right? It's kind of dark, you know? You've you got this, these pictures of dragons, <laughs> serpents. There's angels and demons fighting. There's the word whore in the book of Revelation, right? I mean, there's like people that are not saved are going to look at the book of Revelation and they're like, the language, language is kind of cool, right? But I've seen so many people who read this And you're able to take this and and cut right to the chase. What is Revelation about? Revelation is about Jesus conquering all things. That's what it's about. We can spend all day fighting over what Revelation means, but what we need to know is that Jesus, in the end, he wins. He's victor. He's the one that will redeem all of mankind's. And so we need to know our Bible and we need to know it well, and we need to grow in our ability to use it. All scripture is breathed by God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, mark this down, go home, go home and read this later. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I mean, Paul's writing to Timothy, and, and I think they probably had the same thought, was like, well, maybe the Bible, maybe the word of God is kind of antiquated. Um, maybe Timothy was ministering to people who weren't Jews, right? So they're looking at the Old Testament and they're like, well, that's really not for us. What's Paul's response? Verse 16 in 2 Timothy 3, he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. How do you, how do we get complete and ready to do any work possible? It's not, it's not going to se- a seminary. I'll tell you that much right now. I, 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 I do the seminary thing, right? I've taken a lot of classes in seminary so far. Uh, it just kind of makes me more dumb of who God is, right? Because <laughs> you, you kind of get into some stuff and you're like, oh man, like I didn't realize that about God. He's, he's even bigger than I thought. All that training. But what encourages us the most is the Word of God, it's not the opinions of men. You know, some people don't want to go to certain seminaries over others because, well, they teach this way and they teach. We need to go to places where the Word of God is taught. That's the point. You don't go to church because of the pastor or the you know whatever, the name of the door. You need to go somewhere because Jesus is being proclaimed there. You know, I'm glad that everyone's sitting in this place today. But, but I hope you understand that, that our goal through our worship and through our, our preaching is that the Word of God is lifted up. There was no worship song today that wasn't biblical. I'm not going to get up here and tell you anything. It's not biblical. My, my goal because why? Well, all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is perfect, and it's what you need. For what? To be perfect, to be complete, to be equipped for every good work. You know, we said the last point that God, you know, He, he will prepare us. He will prepare us, but we have to get into the Word. The Word of God is important. We must be there. The last thing I would say this morning is, is that we need to be ready to catch our chariot whenever it comes along. The third point Be ready to catch your chariot. Have you you thought about that today? What what is your chariot? Paul's chariot, a little bit later on, was that he got to go to the Gentiles and preach, right? And in this moment, Philip, his chariot was some dude, that's a eunuch from a foreign country who's reading a scroll. That was his chariot. And he didn't miss it. He hopped on board when he had that opportunity. I said earlier that we need to just quit beating around the bush and we just need to get straight to Jesus, right? And I believe that's true here. Is that we need to be ready to catch our chariot whenever it comes along. We need to do that. And how do we do that? Like, how do we get to a point that we never miss opportunities to tell people about Jesus? The way that we do that is by living in close communion with God. When we live in close communion with God when we become the people who spend a lot of time in prayer. We become a people who spend a lot of time studying this antiquated book that some people say is not worth anything but I would disagree with you and say that this is worth everything and without this we hurt I've been um, I've been I read a lot of books but lately maybe it's just going to a foreign country I've just been trying to get as much of this here as I can you just don't know I'm not saying I'm gonna go to prison or anything but what I am saying is what if I, in the moment, I need to tell someone about Jesus and I need to have that information right then and there. I need to be ready, right? And we're, honestly, that's true of all times, of wherever we're at in life. We need to be living in close communion with God. I want you to think about this. When you travel to an airport, are you watching when planes are going and when planes are coming? Do you watch that? A few few weeks ago, uh, Joni went to a conference and um, I followed her in the air all the way from from Dallas you know she's flying and I'm sitting there watching her on my phone and we're driving to the airport and I'm watching her and I was like oh she's flying over Ardmore right now you know it's like this is so cool hope she stays up there until she lands you know but when you're at the airport you're paying really close attention to those planes and sometimes they'll have these little tags out to the side so like delayed right we like to see the one that says on time But you're looking up there and you're paying really close attention to that. Church, I want you to think about this. As a Christian, you should be paying close attention to Jesus in the same way. And how do we do that? (laughs) Here's your your ticker, right? Here's your big screen TV that's telling you, you know what? This is what God's plan is for your life. We we need to be living that close to Jesus so that when that chariot comes, we don't miss it. We're very, or should be very, very attentive to the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I would say it this way. Live in expectation. Live in expectation. A prayer that I have, I I told you guys, um, Adrian Rogers' prayer, something I pray for every day is like, God, I expect you to move today. Help me to see what you're doing. I pray this every day. Prayed it for years. Um, I think that's a kicker because I love reading like our church father's prayers and things like that. And, you know, of course, like, Saint Patrick, he's got the, the the breastplate or the shield of Saint Patrick, and it's this whole idea: Lord, let you know, let you be everywhere, right? Basically, he kind of goes through it: under me, above me, behind me, and me. In the words that I speak, in the in the ears of the people that I speak to, in the words that they speak to me, like he he wants God just completely around him at all times, right? And I and I I've kind of just in my life, that's what I've learned is the best way is that I need to expect Jesus every day. It's not wrong to go into a situation. Maybe it's walking into work tomorrow to say, God, I pray for your favor today. Lord, I expect you to do great things. Help me to be on that part. Because even if you work walk into a terrible workplace tomorrow, or even if you go home and things are just not what they need to be, God can still heal those places. God can redeem those places. And we need to be ready to catch our chariot whenever it comes along. We say chariot. I mean, I don't think that Philip went out that day and he was like, Okay, where's the next chariot I'm going to jump on, you know? I, I kind of take it this is probably the first chariot he'd ever jumped on. But he didn't miss it. He didn't miss it. And we know that you know, from history's standpoint that there, there's a huge Christian presence in in Ethiopia today. And I can't help but think, that it had to do a little bit with Philip just telling somebody about Jesus who ended up going back there, right? We end up going back to Ethiopia and telling people about Jesus. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I know that God is good, don't you? I look at this passage, and it just reminds me, look at those three things again, that we need to be ready to go at any given time, to go anywhere, uh, to know our Bibles. When the preacher says, read your Bible, don't just say, I'm going to go home and read my Bible. Sometimes I'll get a bright idea, and I'm like, oh, I want to study something. I'll go to Mardell, and I'll buy a book, and then that book just sits on my bookshelf. You ever do that? Some of y'all really holy. You're like, no, I go home and read it from cover to cover in that moment. There are times I go buy books and I don't read them. So I'm like, oh yes, Lord, you're speaking to me in this moment. You know, I've been reading through some some uh, some of my older books lately, and I'm like, I'm missing out just by taking time to study. Not 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 a book, but those books lead you to study the Word of God. I'm missing that point. So we need to know our Bibles well and we need to, to grow in our ability to use it. In other words, church, I said this last week, the, the, the days of us being very um, timid in our faith, it's the past. You need to get really comfortable sharing the gospel with people. You, you need to do that. If you're not comfortable, I, w- I wish you'd come talk to me. We'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. And we'll go out and we'll put it to work. Because I have no doubt there are people here in town that we can say, well, you know, we don't need to go knocking on doors or, you know, we don't need to go uh, talking to people about Jesus. It might offend them. No, we need to go do that because these people need to hear about Jesus. No, we don't have to be annoying. No, we don't have to be mean about it. But we can go out and love and tell people about Christ. And the way that we do that is knowing our Bible well and using it well. And then not missing that point. I mean, guys, the thing is, um, James chapter 1 Real close in closing this morning. James chapter one. Mark this down or, or turn to it and read it at this time. But James chapter one, uh, the writer here, he, he's writing to to people to know like what it means to to follow hard after Christ. What it means to to, to do a work that is that is honoring of God. And the way that we honor God is not just hearing the word. If I was asked, did anybody hear a word from God today in church, in, in, you know, like in worship or Sunday school or even now in this time? Most everybody's going to say, you know what? God did speak to my heart today. Not, that's not a weird thing. I mean, I think I always come to church and I always hear something. I came here this morning and the worship team were just rocking out. And I'm like, I had to step back there for a moment and just like absorb, you know, some of the words that they were singing. And I went back to my office and I was thinking about that. You guys get to hear that song in just a moment, by the way. But in James chapter 1, we have to get past just being hearers, but we also have to be doers of the word. Some people may say, well, we're not saved by our works. You're right. We're not saved by our works, but if God has worked in us, we're going to work for him because we're new creatures in Christ. Are we saved because of our works? No, but we are saved. Saved by God who's working in the world today. And he invites us to be part of that work. James chapter 1, 19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. Everybody hear this, okay? Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I know that we live in a day and age where it's fun to get on Facebook and just, man, keyboard warrior it up all day long, you know? The call of a true believer is is to chill. Back when I was in high school, it was called taking a chill pill, okay? Back in the late 1900s, we used to say, (laughs) that really makes you sound old when you say that, huh? I graduated in the late 1900s. I did. But anger doesn't produce anything good, it says, right? Verse 21, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. If you can't believe that anymore, the word here is: this will save you. Put away the, the negativity. Put away the the sin of the world, and live in the word. Right, the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Verse twenty-two: Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, guys. I'm glad, I'm glad that you come here. I'm glad that you say amen. It really makes me feel good when people say amen, right? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> makes me feel good, right? But don't just be hearers of the word. Let's, let's be doers as well. Because if we're just hearers and hearers only, we're just deceiving ourselves. For verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself. He goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. Well, Daniel, I know what I look like. Then why do you keep looking in the mirror? We keep going back to the mirror, don't we? Every morning. Oh, what's up, handsome? Or, oh Lord, what happened? We look in the mirror every day. And he says that that we shouldn't be like that with the word of God. It's not, you know, we're just not looking into it and then, then going away and not using it, but it's something that's going on in us at all times. He looks at himself, and he goes away, and he forgets what he was like. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I've learned this, and maybe everybody Everybody has different learning styles, but for me, I learn better if I do, right? Somebody could tell me something, and I'm like, I'm okay. I can kind of understand it, but until I do it, I forget. I'm the same way with names. Until I use someone's name, I, I, I'm terrible with names, right? We went to a um, a conference years ago, and the lady told us, that if you're having problems remembering people's names, just while you're talking to them, just write their name on your hip like this, right? And you'll remember. <laughs> that sounds so weird, but it works. <laughs> I apologize for one year ago, y'all were coming up, and you're like, hi, my name's, and I'm like, oh, okay, how are you doing, you know? Okay, so right? So with a J or a, okay, yeah. Why don't we do that? You know, it's it's like we, we forget. But but when it comes to the word of God, if we practice it, it's going to be so much better. It's going to be fresh on your lips. Last week I, I made the point that you know these disciples and like Philip, the gospel was were still ringing in their ears, right? Like some of them had literally heard Jesus say, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel," right? To make disciples to baptize people. You're never alone. They they just heard these words from Jesus himself, right? It was ringing in their ears. And I think that this word, we need to, to be reading it so much and being into it so much that it rings in our ears all day long so that when things come our way, we're not deceiving ourselves by saying we're hearers, but we're also doers of the word. We're also doers of the word. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he's religious, and does not bridle his tongue, which by the way, if you want to know more about the tongue, go down about 20 verses and he's got a whole like passage on like the tongue. But he says, if anyone who's like that, they don't bridle their own tongue, they deceive their heart and the person's religion is what? Man, the religion's worthless. We don't live under the word of God. Our religion is worthless, which I, I don't believe in religion anyways. I think that we're we're called to a relationship with Jesus, right? Like his death on the cross for us is a very, it's a very close thing to us. It's not just a religion; it's it's close. Religion that is pure. Well, what is that? Verse twenty-seven. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. What is pure religion? To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Because he's talking to leaders here and he's like, this is what you need to do, right? He's talking to, he's talking to James. James is talking to to leaders within the church here. And he's telling them, this is what we need to do. We need to make sure that the people in the church that are suffering, which back then, widows and orphans, I'm not saying we don't need to do this now because we do and we, it's a part of who we are as a ministry. But back then, if you were a widow or an orphan, there was basically no help, no hope for you ever. There was no inheritance. There was nobody taking care of you. Nobody watching out for you. And basically, what he's saying here is that as as believers, we need to be people who are taking care of those who who need help. In a physical sense, yep. But also, I believe people that are spiritual orphans and widows that we need to go to them and preach the gospel as well. Because he says here to do that and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In other words, we're not living in the world in such a way that we're letting the world influence us. We're influencing the world. There was a a pastor when I was a kid. He uh, he he told us at camp one year. It's a very deep theological statement, but I still remember it to this day. Right? His name is Marvin, and he gets up on stage, Brother Marvin. <laughs> he didn't have eloquent speech. He wore overalls. You know, he's just a good old country preacher. But I remember him getting up on stage at, at church camp one year, and um. He said this. He says, if you run with skunks, you're gonna smell like skunks. And we were kind of yeah, you know, youth, we laughed about it. We're like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, you, you know, if you run with skunks, you'll smell like skunks. It's true, right? It's very true. A few years later, I was at, at my house and we get home and we smell a skunk, and I go out in my backyard to get my dog because pet petty. See how he's doing? He's a really cool boxer. I go out in my backyard and I I bend over like this. I was like, "Come here, come here, Ringo!" And he comes up and hits me right in the mouth with his mouth. He had just got sprayed in the face with a skunk. <laughs> all of that skunk went from his his mouth, his muzzle, to my muzzle. I had to shave my beard. I had to get rid of all. I'm just like, man, I can't. Uh, you know, i mean, they're pouring like like tomato sauce all over my face. It just I don't even know how he was like standing up, and not throwing up. You know, but he's But isn't it true though? Like if we're living so influenced by the world, we're just going to look like them eventually. But transversely, right? If you live absorbed in the word of God in a relationship with Jesus Christ, who are we going to look like? What the church needs today is to get back to this. Not judgmental. Guys, guess what? We're not Republican or Democrat. We're Christians, we're not even Americans for that matter. Our, our our home is not of this world. I love being in America. You know, I love, uh, you know, being able to vote. I love all that stuff. But my definition as to who I am, who I have my most allegiance to is Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that ever went and did only what he could do for me. And by his stripes, I'm forever healed from the effects of sin. It's literally what we know today. So we must be a people who, yeah, if we run with skunks, we're going to smell like skunks. I pray today that we run with the angels, <laughs> that we run with Jesus. I pray that we run with the Word of God. I pray that you smell like old stinky glue. I mean, don't you guys love the way books smell? Ah, oh, man, it smells so cool. May you run today with our Lord. Because what we do know, and if you're reading through, you know, so many passages of scripture. And I read this this past week um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter four. I love it. It tells us to not be ignorant. He didn't want us to be ignorant. So since I don't want you to be ignorant, I'm gonna tell you what happens next. And he says that, you know, Jesus Christ is gonna come back with the trumpet, right? And the shout. It's gonna be like a really loud noise in the sky. The Easter sky is gonna split and the dead in Christ are gonna do what? They're gonna rise first. I have no doubt that this is true. Why? Well, because why would it be in the Word if it wasn't true? Those people that have gone on before, those Beckys in your life, those parents, those grandparents, right? Those people who were such a big part of your Christian walk when you were younger, who've gone on to be with Jesus, it says that the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we're going to meet them in the air and be with Jesus forever. I ended the sermon last week with, there's a reward for us. (laughs) Because I'm always stepping on people's toes, I get it, but... Ended it with this positive note because it's true. Like all of this is going on for a reason. And because of his goodness and his grace, we will spend eternity with him. And so may we be completely absorbed in the word of God today. May we be a people who do not miss, who do not miss the chariots that God places before us. That this week as you're going from this place that Whatever it is that the Lord has in store for you, I pray today that you live in expectation. God, what are you going to do this week? How are you going to use me, God? How are you going to allow me to glorify you today or this week? Look around you right now. You got all these other people in here. Y'all are scared to look, aren't you? I can't look, Daniel. It's weird. They're not in the shower. You can look around. It's okay. Pray for these people this week. Pray for them that they might live in expectation. Pray for them that they don't miss their chariots, that they live absorbed in the word of God, that there are people who want to bring glory to God. Here's what I believe. I believe that a true, real revival can start here in our midst. I believe that a true work of God can start right here in our midst, that this can be a place where we go forth and a great revival starts. It's got to start here first, right? Am I right, guys? Revival's got to start here. Are we following close and hard after Christ? Are we expecting Him? Guys, I pray that you live in expectation today. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, your word is good and pure and holy. Father, it reaches the utmost parts of our souls. God, we know that it's there to to correct us, to teach us, to strengthen us, to set us free, God. We know that's why the word of God is here. So Father, I pray today that we would we would have heard your word today in such a way that when we leave here, we are going to just leave in expectation. God, we don't want to miss those chariots. We don't want to miss opportunities for ministry. We don't want to miss bringing you glory. Father, today, may we live as true followers of you. And God, if there be anyone in this place today who does not know you, Father, call them to repentance in this place today as only your Holy Spirit can do. God, if we're scared to share our testimony, Father, may we just surround ourselves with people that encourage us. May we go to battle with others. And Lord, more than that, may we wake up every day and say, God, thank you for this day. And thank you that I get to live life with you because I know that you never leave me. You never forsake me. You're a good and gracious God. Father, would you call us all to right living today in your most holy name?